Hey folks, my name is Lana Winterhalt, and you are now part of the Good and Plenty Producers Club. We're going to be chatting with women, trans, and non-binary producers from all across Canada and get to know their creative process. Let's have some fun. really excited to introduce our first official guest on the podcast, Sarah McDougall. Sarah, I'm so excited that you're here and willing to chat with me. So thanks so much for being yeah, here. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff. So you know. yeah, same. It's like, <laughs> even if it wasn't a podcast, we could just talk on the phone and exactly. have a great time. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, I, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I know that you do a lot of things and wear a lot of different hats. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about, uh, yeah, what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a singer, songwriter, uh, composer, producer, engineer, um, living in London, Ontario, and I have my own studio called Dreamship Sound. Dreamship Sound. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and I have the privilege of being seeing you on camera, so I can see your uh, studio in the background. It looks amazing, and I hope to see it in person one day um how long have you had your own studio there I actually just finished the renos um just before the pandemic hit so oh wow it's no way it's been a, a pandemic studio so far nice um yeah well that's awesome that you have I mean that's a pretty good isolation project is to have the studio and man I felt so lucky like the painter was literally in here finishing off the last like you know trim painting uh when the first lockdown happened wow so. that's wild yeah <laughs> well in the nick of time I guess yeah exactly well why don't you just tell us a little bit about um you know how you got started in the audio world and and you know I know you're you are a singer-songwriter and you kind of started in in that realm so why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got into the uh audio and production industry yeah um it's actually something that has kind of always been like side by side with um, with my music side and something that I mm. originally, when I started playing music, um, I wanted to go into production more so than like being a touring artist. I didn't, oh, I didn't wow. really see that as a possibility. Mm. Um, so yeah, I bought my first four track oh, <laughs> when yeah. I was uh, 13. Because I worked in my dad's, he had like a golf shop and I worked there for the summer and then I made enough money uh, to buy my first four track. And, and um, that was in Sweden, right? Because you were born in Sweden? In Sweden, yeah. That's that's where I grew up. Yeah. Right, right cool. And, um, and then I just like obsessively recorded myself and my friend, we, we, my friend Sarah, actually, her and I started writing songs together when we were 11. Nice. So we actually, by 13, we had like probably like 50 songs or wow. something. Wow, I love just, that. Like, kept bouncing tracks together and, you know, recording, overdubbing. Nice. Uh, so that was like a really good start of, uh, you know, understanding how just like basic recording works. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, my guitar teacher had this like 
uh, I think it was like a four track tape machine. So we recorded on that as well. Like a, it was like a one inch tape machine. Nice. And um, then I went to university for music production and composition. So I, you know, learned Pro Tools, got to spend a lot of time in, in studios. After university, I uh, I did an audio engineering work study at uh, BAM Center in Alberta. I was there for like a year. Nice. And, um, and then after that, I was like all the while just like recording my own stuff mm-hmm. and putting it out. And uh, after Banff, I assisted in a commercial studio in Vancouver. Cool. And um, and then just like realized like I actually want to produce more than like be an assistant in a studio. Hmm. And uh, I actually want to produce because I want to produce my own music. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Not really other people that much mm-hmm. at that point. So I just like focused in on just producing my own stuff. And um, and then that led me on tour. And then the touring life just kind of uh, just kept going for like 10 years. Wow. And uh, it wasn't really until the pandemic that I... Um, you know, have been like full time in the studio again. Oh, nice. So that's kind of my long, my long winded journey. And <laughs> no, that's great. It's great to hear yeah. the long winded journey. Um, so is the Banff program what brought you to Canada? Or were you already living in Canada? I was already I did my um, composition degree in Vancouver. Oh, okay. So that's what yeah, brought so you. I lived okay. in Vancouver. And then uh, then I went to Banff for the year. Nice. And then I moved up to the Yukon and I lived there right. for a while as well. That's so wild. So what took you up to the Yukon? Uh, actually, I was on tour and uh, <laughs> and then I stayed for oh, eight years. Oh, I love years. that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, that, that place has that story for a lot of people, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like where they go there for a weekend and then you know 30 years later they're still there kind of thing that is absolutely um, incredible I still feel more like a Yukoner than than anything else really you know wow yeah well I'm interested to hear your perspective because I've heard a few times that um you know White Horse is one of the fastest growing music communities in all of Canada and I wonder from your perspective like how did it feel to you um as a musician living in White Horse it's it's incredible it's like um it's it has the most working artists per capita in all of Canada which is pretty crazy but but I mean it's also small and it attracts Hmm. a certain type of person oh interesting (laughs) it's like either you're a minor or a government worker or an artist right you know that's just kind of the type of person it attracts Hmm. and um so it's like a really interesting you know community of like contradictions between you know this Mm. mining community and artist community and um and uh it's one of those places where I I feel like Winnipeg is kind of like this as well but Mm. you know where you go to like a Christmas dinner party and then suddenly like the grandma picks up out a mandolin and like just starts shredding. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's totally Whitehorse, like in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like Winnipeg is totally like that. It's it's this. Yeah. You know, like Winnipeg has a very Mennonite or whatever religious um, 
heritage and it's so common for you know to be at dinner and grandma just sits down at the piano and starts playing because it's it's intertwined with culture you know exactly right it's like it's it's part of the social dynamics music is part of life it's not just this thing a cool concert at a bar for entertainment you know it's like it's it's intertwined with the culture and the social thread of of that place and I think yeah that that sounds a lot like exactly yeah yeah and coming from you know both Vancouver or and Sweden it was like a very new thing for me and just like Hmm. it's very cool yeah no that's amazing um I'm curious to hear how you know what what your journey was going to school and what took you to go and be educated for this because I know uh, with production and engineering, there's really so many avenues into the industry. There's so many people that are working professionally who are, you know, totally self-taught or people who learn from YouTube, like a lot of what I've done. Uh, people who, you know, take one course or or just are connected with a good mentor. Um, so I'm curious what uh, pulled you towards school and, and being formally educated for, for music and, and production. And how did you know that's what you wanted to do? Um, and were you, you know, were you entertaining any other thoughts or, or were you set on, on this is what I'm going to be when I'm older? Um, I was pretty set on working within sound or music, hmm. um, since basically since I got my four track. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, it was like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly, you know, what I would end up doing. I was kind of naive in a way that I was like, oh, there's tons of, you know, well-paying jobs in radio or mm. you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and, and then you know once I finished school I was like hmm and there's no jobs yeah. <laughs> um but yeah yeah I was just kind of stubborn about it you know what I mean like mm. I was like this is what I want to do and I'm just gonna do it and not worry too much about it I love that yeah yeah that's so great um, one thing I'm always thinking about is, uh, you know, kind of people's journey into into the production world and, and the audio world. And I think for so many people, including myself, uh, you know, I'm I'm almost 30 and I'm thinking about how different my life might have been if I would have even known that recording or engineering was a viable career option. You know, I probably would have gone to school for it. I didn't even know that yeah. it was school was an option or or you know that this was a viable career or even something I was interested in so um yeah I find it super cool that you know even as a young teenager you were like committed to to that career and and in in figuring it out and uh I guess the take-home message here is everyone go out and buy yourself a four track yeah exactly everyone go get your four track (laughs) and I mean I didn't have a musical family really hmm. uh like my dad's interested in music but you know he laughed at me when I was like I'm gonna be a music producer you know he was <laughs> yeah. like whatever As most you parents know. would yeah and um then uh, you know they weren't very happy that I was gonna go to school for music but hmm. you just follow you just follow your heart that's the thing mm-hmm. that's kind of how I've done things yeah you know sometimes I've regretted it but <laughs> yeah <laughs> learn the hard way yeah yeah well you uh yeah you mentioned that your family wasn't necessarily a, a musical family but I wonder I'm curious if there's um you know any people that you look back on your life and and you think they were really instrumental in in pushing me forward or in um you know helping my growth or getting me where I am today well I had my friend Sarah right and we really right. you know um 
egged each other on in a way like we had, you know, we went from a duo to a rock band to, you know, we wrote hundreds of songs and uh, we were just both like super um, passionate about music. And that was like all we cared about. Nice. And, um, and uh, we played shows and, you know, we got some encouragement, like we uh, got some interest from like a Swedish television show and stuff like that I was like oh we're we're we actually kind of know what we're doing you know yeah and um and then um my guitar teacher was uh was very supportive he wasn't really in the music industry per se but like Mm. but he was um I felt like he really like made me uh come out of my shell like Hmm. he kind of forced me to sing in front of someone for the first time right uh, and um because uh, I was kind of a shy kid hmm. you know and yeah. um and he you know just made me feel like this was something that I was good at and talented at and you know so he was hmm. very encouraging in that way nice so important to have those people but then I think like the reason I wanted to go to Canada was because like in um in my hometown at the moment where when I was growing up and like finishing high school and stuff um there wasn't really like there wasn't a scene for songwriters um everything was uh like house music and EDM Hmm. and uh, DJs at the time oh okay there was like no venue to play and Hmm. um so I was just like I want to go somewhere where I can you know play shows and like mm-hmm. meet other people that you know play similar styles of music that I like right you know? totally yeah and because um, my dad's Canadian so I had a Canadian passport already so oh, okay it became like the obvious choice yeah. right and how did you feel about the Vancouver music scene because you you know every city's so different and the mm-hmm. Vancouver music scene is incredibly unique so um yeah well it was really good for me because um there were tons of uh, like open mics and stuff like that. Uh, so I met a lot of other people uh, in the scene at the time. I mean, now I know that like Vancouver isn't like, it's not like the best music scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very kind of separated in right. a way from like the rest of Canada. Hmm. But for me, it was really good. Um, and also just like the time I had when I went to school to just like, focus on music Hmm. and uh, and uh, you know apply my learning of like how to score a chamber orchestra to like actually arrange my own songs and stuff like that was like kind of invaluable Hmm. that's awesome Um, and obviously you know there's so many different experiences in in one's life that are kind of all these building blocks that that lead you to where you are today, obviously. But yeah. I'm curious if there's, um, you know, a, a moment or an experience or a program or something that you're a part of that, um, you know, was the real uh, or you felt really catapulted you into the next stage of your career or, you know, equipped you to took you from doing it as a hobbyist or, or just figuring things out to, I know what I'm doing and, you know, kind of, kind of gave you that slingshot into mm-hmm. the next phase of your career. Yeah. Um, I'd say my time at Banff was really valuable because I learned all the fundamentals, you know, because it's, it's, I don't know how it is now, but at the time it was like very focused on, 
um, kind of pure recording in a way, like mm. just like really focusing on mic techniques and, right. um, you know, learning consoles and learning like all the basics. Mm. And, uh, and it was, uh, it's really something that I think like a lot of people who, who, uh, you know, maybe just work in a, a commercial recording studio or whatever, um, don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to those, you know, like you can move a mic for like, you know, a tiny, tiny bit and it will totally change the sound. Right. And uh, you don't necessarily need a compressor or whatever. You right. Know, um, yeah. Um, so that was really cool. And then, you know, working in a commercial studio, I, I learned more about, you know, like recording rock and roll and like getting mm. really good drum sounds and, and uh that kind of thing nice so it's kind of a good combo i think yeah totally yeah so i think that's you know a pretty good segue actually into chatting about your own studio a little bit i'm interested to hear you know what what sort of uh setup you you work with when either for yourself or when mm -hmm. you have a client uh you know what sort of what sort of equipment do you use what kind of stuff do you have in the studio sure um well i have some outboard gear um I have a few different uh, audioscape compressors and universal audio um, channel strip. And um, then I have um, like some bus, uh, bus compression and EQ mm. and uh, external preamp. Yeah, mm. so I've like during the pandemic kind of accumulated quite a few outboard gear things <laughs> yeah. and you know sometimes I don't use any of it hmm. uh, sometimes I'm all in the box hmm. and um, sometimes I use I, f I find that I'm like using more the outboard stuff more so in recording mm. uh, than in mixing right uh, other than like my bus compressors and stuff mm -hmm. um, just because I like to be able to like easily recall stuff and, mm. you know and if I'm using it in print or in mixing I'm kind of printing it in right um but yeah I I usually like I have a mic that's hanging on the wall mm -hmm. uh that's like literally always there so nice. and it's always plugged in mm. and um and then that goes into um I have a patch bake so I can like switch things around, but usually it'll go into my uh, Audioscape Opto compressor, which is like an LA 2A kind of cool. thing. Um, and, um, and, you know, I can patch it into an EQ as well if I feel like I need it, but I usually don't. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a, a Neve, Rupert Neve Designs uh, 5211 preamp that's like, it can kind of, it's a really nice one because um, it can go from like super duper clean um, to um, have more kind of the Neve 1073 sound if you get it, the silk hmm. button pressed in. Um, and I tend to like want to record things like, or at least vocals, like slightly more clean. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's nice to go through the compressor, uh, just to get a little bit of that, like tube 
nice tube harmonic sound, mm-hmm. but I don't compress like tons. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, yeah, and then like, you know, my synths and stuff, I'll like run them through whatever I feel like at the time. Right. You know, I have like a cassette tape machine that I can run stuff through. Or, nice. Know. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned when you first started out that you know, you were, you were starting obviously to produce for yourself and, and, you know, doing your own demos and, and then your own productions, uh, for your own music as an artist, that sort of thing. Um, so how, I'm interested to know your journey, how you transitioned into, uh, finding clients and, and producing for other folks as well. Um, to be honest, it wasn't like really something that I was seeking out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, it just kind of happened. I, I guess, um, I signed a publishing deal with Arts and Crafts, and um, nice. and she asked me if I wanted to be a producer for uh, their song camp, and I was like, okay, that's terrifying. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the other producer was Marcus Pacan, who had just like, oh my god co-produced my record. With oh my me. goodness! <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is like I obviously like have to prove that I'm good enough here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think I did. I think I did. Nice. Good for you. I think we killed it. Yeah. Um, but, and then I just like, you know, meanwhile, I'd been doing all this other stuff, like recording tons of stuff or, um, you know, I was doing a theater piece with Ivan Coyote and I was like scoring all the music and recording, um, recording all that stuff. And, um, and that was like, super time consuming Hmm. as well and then um one thing just like led to the other and then you know my friend andrea asked me if i wanted to produce and and engineer her record cool and um and then i've been uh like mentoring with uh rachel alina who's like a new york based mixing engineer so i'm nice doing a lot more mixing like sometimes she will throw me projects and sometimes uh now like other people will just ask if i want to mix uh their stuff so nice yeah it's just kind of all like happened organically I right say. like i'm not like really putting myself out there that much like other than just like posting some stuff on instagram right totally yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and that's awesome you know that's how it happens it's you know, one person knows one person, it leads to the next. And if you do good work, it's, you know, it's going to be passed around and people are going to, going to want to work with you. So, um, yeah, that's cool to hear that, that that's been, that's exactly it. And it's, it's the same, like with, with music, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, being an artist, it's, it's exactly for me, it's been the same process. Right. Um, and also like, having won you know awards as a songwriter and musician and mm-hmm. having that like parallel career yeah totally. um is helping in this side of my career as well mm. so it's all kind of overlapping right? right yeah totally and how have you found that balance between you know being an artist a, a touring artist a singer songwriter and uh, you know then that other side of you that production side mixing and mastering um, have you found a balance, uh, you know, between the two or, or what would you like that balance to look like? I mean, I guess it's been a global pandemic, so yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like you haven't it had a global pandemic, so it's kind of balancing towards uh, towards production for me. Right. Um, 
that's balanced it for you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because, you know, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out for myself. Hmm. Um, I have a tour coming up and, and I don't feel super balanced right now. Hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, how do we even go on stage anymore? It's right. been, you know, I did have a few shows in November, but, but, um, you know, the, the thought of being on tour, that was like such a normal, that was like my constant for mm, so long. It right. just feels like a little bit, a little bit uh, foreign right now. Mm. But I'm sure once I go, it'll be, it'll feel normal again. Yeah, you bounce right back. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my ideal would be, it's always been my goal mm. um, to be like six months of the year, you know, as an artist touring and whatever and mm-hmm. six months of the year just producing and oh, writing. Okay. Mm. and uh if I can find some kind of like a balance like that it would be perfect yeah totally and you know nowadays you can like bring your studio on the road as well yeah like, totally know, I was in uh I was in France in November and um right I had some mixes to finish up and you know I could I did that from my room. You know, That's amazing. Yeah. Just on my laptop. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that kind of leads to the conversation of, of accessibility and, and how, yeah. um, accessible music making is these days and and I think that's incredible you know you think of uh, how many kids stumble into production um, and you know the world of music just by playing around on GarageBand on their computer or on their phone or whatever um, so yeah it's pretty amazing how how accessible it is yeah um, to anyone really you know those exactly. just starting out yeah. or those who need to work on the road or whatever it's it's uh yeah it's pretty amazing the other thing that's so good about it is that it makes it a lot easier, you know, to work during the pandemic totally. for us, like yeah. as songwriters, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, the people we're writing with or working with um, can just send us, like most people have like a mic, like yeah. an SM7 or whatever right. at home and they can just send it to you to mix it. Right. right? Like, yeah. And it's like fairly you know most of the time like pretty good quality yeah totally um and uh, like I love I'm working with an artist right now who um you know she does a lot of recording at home on logic and it's like easy she can just send me the whole project of her demo yeah. and then we can just like go from there right, right? and like yeah replay I love like that kind of collaboration too, mm-hmm. it's like why do we have to do everything again you know you've already like come up with these ideas and you know yeah for sure and I think it's also a great um you know learning tool for the person you know for the artist to be able to to learn those skills as well of how to make their own demos and how to um you know record on their own and be able to to take their tracks you know make some vocal tracks at home and send them to their producer or mixer or whatever I think it's super helpful it's like you know easy mentorship or equipping that that next generation or or whatever it's it's super easy to um yeah train kind of as you go which I think is super helpful as well yeah it kind of um encourages like being able to do something a bit different and daring in a way because Hmm. if you can do that from home where you don't have to pay you know a thousand dollars a day for a studio or whatever and you know you can come up with new stuff and yeah Mm -hmm. I don't I think it's like a really exciting 
exciting time. Yeah, totally. And with that, you know, comes the affordability as well. Like it's so much more affordable and sustainable for artists to, you know, be able to do their own demos or even their first EP or, uh, you know, be able to, (laughs) no, hey, Sarah's dog, welcoming Sarah's dog now to the podcast. Uh, uh, welcome here. No, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so much more affordable for, instead of, you know, going and paying the huge studio fees every day to, um, test out your sound or record some demos or whatever here and there you can um afford to be putting that music out and I know that it's it's such a hot topic right now of course in in uh, artist circles just that the DSPs are aren't paying artists enough money per stream and and you know there's not all the that different revenue coming in so being able to afford making demos and making your own music at home is like really important to be able to keep putting music out and and keep it sustainable for sure yeah exactly I mean I recorded my first record just like with one mic on my iBook I oh my iBook that's like day that was like 2006 (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh that was like not even close to like the, the power of the mac imac mac mac (laughs) (laughs) we got there um yeah or even ipad would probably be more powerful than that computer (laughs) yeah for real yeah seriously and i'm just realizing right now that we haven't even talked about how we know each other oh yeah so better late than never (laughs) um so sarah and i are have been part of the women in the studio uh, program this past year, the 2021 cohort, uh, which is a program, a national accelerator put on by Music Publishers Canada. And I'm so sad that it's almost done. Like, I, I can't know, believe how fast too. it's gone. We keep getting emails <laughs> saying winding down. I know this time just went oh, so fast. So eh? sad. Yeah. But um, yeah, this program is is the program where we've met and, and had had some of these amazing conversations and, and started to have conversations with, with one another about, um, you know, this, this sort of gender divide within the industry, within Canada specifically, for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm interested. I don't, so I'll, I'll say that I don't want, um, this show and this, this podcast to be all about, um, you know, our specific genders in music or yeah. whatever. Cause I think, you know, it's so easy to get pigeonholed into, um, you know, a woman in music or a, you know, sometimes I, we just need to be yeah. humans in music and musicians who are making music and, and, you know, we have the right to talk about and nerd out just as, just as hard as any other cis white dudes or whatever. Um, so I know it's not all about our gender, but, um, I do know that's a super important factor, especially because we're chatting about the, the huge divide between, um, you know, there's 47 to one, uh, for male producers to, to female producers in the, um, in North America. So that's a pretty, um, that's a pretty huge number. So I'd love to hear from you. Like what has your, um, what is, your experience been like as a woman in in music a woman in production and um yeah like what have have you faced any obstacles or what do you see happening what have you seen happen in your own career in life yeah I think it's something that's like kind of ingrained almost inside of me you know since childhood right like um you know from the time I said I was going to be a music producer and my dad laughing to you know just like that feeling of 
oh, you know, I'm not taken seriously because, mm. um, because women don't, you know, just aren't taken seriously in technical mm-hmm. fields and like, right. you know, or believe that they know anything about, um, you know, instruments or, uh, mm-hmm. gear and, you right. know, and, uh, from the very beginning, I felt like, you know, as, as soon as I was starting to talk about gear with the dude, I was like getting interrogated. Yeah. And, right. um, and, uh, it always felt like a test kind of thing where they were like trying to figure out how I would fail Yeah, yeah and that totally. I didn't know as much as they did, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, it was never like, I never felt like it was like a super blatant, you know, um, thing because mm-hmm. I, I did also like get a bunch of opportunities, like, right. you know, in the studios and, and given, you know, chances to do stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I always had this feeling like, um, if I go freelance, like no one's going to hire me because mm. I'm female. And, um, and I actually like, just now like start feel like that's shifting a bit Hmm. you know um because I feel like even five years ago I couldn't like find many names like if I'd put it out on Facebook or whatever I want to find a female producer Mm -hmm. uh or non-binary producer like people could name like one person right you know what I mean yeah for real (laughs) and uh and now it's like now there's way more mm-hmm. uh, like not tons more but like at least like several yeah you know that are on like people's hiring list kind of thing totally yeah. um so I do think that you know that's really changing but um I think it's just like even though being a singer-songwriter is like I can hardly even think of like a tougher job in a way yeah. but like that seemed easier to me than being mm. a producer wow. <laughs> at the time. So it was like, oh, should I choose this like super hard path or this one? I'll choose this one. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. and I think that really shows us why, uh, just why representation matters. You know, when we think about um, being a singer songwriter, we have, I think as women, we, we now feel that we can have the confidence because of course there's role models to look up to. Exactly. You know, we see, we see Feist doing it. We've seen Joni Mitchell do it. We see these people, um, who, you know, we see, we see them and we think, great, they've done it. So can I, and that's exactly what needs to happen and continue to happen in, um, production and the audio world is, is, you know, putting some people, under the spotlight and putting them up on a, on a pedestal for others to see and see, you know, this, this woman did it or this non-binary person did it. And so can you like, it's, you know, and I know that sounds pretty cheesy, but it's, um, it makes it so much more viable. You know, I see someone who can do it and I think they are doing Mm -hmm. it. They're making a career out of it. I can do it too. Right. Like it's, it's, that's exactly why, um, it matters and why I want to have this show is to be able to show that there are, there are people out there doing it and making money and, and, um, you know, if that's what you want to do, you absolutely can. There's going to be a space for you. We're, we're making that space, you know? Yeah. And there have been women in production and audio fields, you know, Susan Rogers with Prince and, you know, these icons, but we haven't seen them. It hasn't been promoted like dudes have. Yeah. And it hasn't been visible. It's been more like, you know, maybe women have, have been there but done like more behind the scenes kind of stuff mm-hmm. or like worked more in film or you right know, yeah um you know where they 
where it's like music is just such like a male dominated field in Mm -hmm. general yeah totally yeah and I think it's like the pandemic in a way has been really good because it's like um level the playing field Mm. and I think that's like a really positive for women and um non-binary people Mm -hmm. um because um because you could be anywhere. You don't have to be in a studio. Right. Uh, everyone's just at home now. Yeah. Uh, which is like where most, you know, female producers have been making their music for mm-hmm. decades, invisibly kind of yep. thing. Yeah. And um, and now it's uh, it's like a viable place to be. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of you know I'm not positive about the pandemic, but I do feel like that's kind of like helped a little bit mm-hmm. um, kind of you know level things out yeah you know taylor swift is like recording her vocals in her closet you yeah. know what i mean like, and you know. making <laughs> millions yeah so i should be so i should be able exactly. to exactly record my vocals in my closet and make millions yeah that'd be nice yeah yeah oh well um sarah i could sit here and talk to you forever truthfully but uh we do gotta gotta call her a day here soon so can you let folks know where they can find you sure um well i have a website uh that i need to update yeah <laughs> uh, dot com, and um and then you know i'm on instagram sarah mcdougall music mm-hmm. um same facebook twitter kind of thing cool uh but i'd say like instagram is where i'm the most active these days nice awesome so find me there Mm -hmm. and uh you know say hi yeah and take her up on that folks say hi reach out reach out to sarah she's the bomb yeah totally i'll I'll answer you nice that's awesome well (laughs) it's uh been super awesome to have you on the show i love chatting we could chat forever i and let's Let's do it again sometime. We'll write that song we're supposed to write. Yes. We are going to co-write a song and it's going to be a banger and we're going to make millions. Definitely. (laughs) Millions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for being here for this episode of the Good and Plenty Producers Club. I'm so glad that you could be here with us. And if you want to find out more, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at GP Producers Club, or you can find our website, goodandplentywpg.com. And I'm going to end the show the way we're going to end every show, which is by telling you that your art is important. Your music is important. Your poetry is important. The way that you see the world matters and deserves to be heard and valued and respected. So remember that. Don't let anyone treat you differently. You're welcome here. There's a space for you. We love you.